chapter 73, verse 16 to 28. You can follow in the Pew Bible, page 612. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you placed them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream, when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. This is the word of God. Thank you, uh, Christine, for reading uh, the rest of that psalm, Psalm 73. I want to encourage you this morning uh, to please keep your Bibles open to Psalm 73. We're going to work our way through this psalm uh, this morning. I know it's got 28 verses, but we'll work our way through, all right? So... Um, Let's, let's pray as we look at God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray this morning that you would uh, give us uh, uh, attentive minds, receptive hearts, Lord, um, that we will receive your word and we'll humble ourselves before you, Lord. Uh, thank you for the preciousness of your word, that inspired and infallible, inerrant word of God given for us, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, we give thanks for this word. Amen. Well, friends. Good morning and great to see you again this morning. And like I said, if you're a visitor, wonderful to have you here uh, with us. Let me begin by asking this question. Why trust God? Why trust God? Is there any point in trusting God? Have you ever asked yourself this question? Really, to be honest, let's ask ourselves this morning. Have you ever asked the question, why should I trust God? What's the point in trusting God? Or perhaps you've heard someone else ask the question, why trust God? Why are you trusting God if you're a Christian? What's the point? Well, Psalm 73, in some sense, is dealing with that question. Why trust God? Let me give you a very brief historical setting of this psalm this morning. This psalm is attributed to, to Asap. Asap was a member of the tribe of Levite. He was one of the music leaders appointed by David, and we read of him in 1 Chronicles 15. David told the leaders of the Levites to appoint their fellow Levites as musicians to make a joyful sound with musical instruments, lyres, harps, and cymbals. So you can see that, friends, that music was very much, very much part of the fabric of the Old Testament worship of God. And so we have today also instruments in our church, don't we? And we sing and we gave praise to God 
because our God deserves all praise. And look at the number of instruments mentioned here. Lyres and harps and cymbals and everything is mentioned in musical instruments. And elsewhere in the Old Testament, we hear of other instruments being used as part of worship and praise to God. And so the Levites appointed Heman, son of Joel, and his relatives, and Asap was one of them as well. So that's about Hesap. Hesap was put in charge of the worship music by David. He composed some psalms himself. There are 12 psalms that are attributed to him. They are Psalm 50 and Psalms 73 to 83. And this psalm here, what we're looking at this morning, is closely related in style to Psalm 37 and 49. And in this psalm, friends, this morning, Asap grapples with a major issue in his understanding of life and how God fits in to his worldview and to his faith view in God as well. And the issue at the center stage in this psalm is the problem of why does the ungodly, those who are not trusting you, seem to go through life with no major problems and they seem to prosper. They seem to have all the wealth in life. They seem to have all the good health. They seem to be cruising in life in comparison with God's people who go through life on numerous occasions with trials and testings and sicknesses and sufferings. Can we identify with this guy here, Asap? He's perplexed. He's trying to reconcile what is going on in real life with real life issues for God's people and in this world. He's perplexed at the prosperity of the ungodly and the suffering of those who put their faith and trust in God. And so we're going to unpack this psalm this morning uh, under four headings. We're going to look at his faith. We're going to look at his struggle. We're going to look at his transition. And we're going to look at his testimony. All right? So we're going to work our way through quickly through uh, these four points this morning. I know you perhaps have had a tiring week this past week, but no excuse here this morning, friends. We have the ACs full on, right? Which means I can go on and on. And you'll be saying, great, Chris. Let's keep going because I don't have to get out of this building. It's fantastic here. No, I wouldn't do that, <laughs> right? Okay, let's have a look at his faith. Look at verse 1 and 2. Asa begins the psalm with a statement about God's goodness to Israel. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. The goodness of God is one of God's amazing attributes. And Asap here acknowledged the fact that the God he worshipped was good to Israel. And he knew of the relationship that God had with his people. God was good to his people. Israel was God's covenant people as we know. And they experienced his goodness in many ways. For example, we see that when he, when he, that he heard the cries of his people in Egypt. We read of this, don't we, in Exodus 3, 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So God was concerned for his people, and Asap knew and understood how God was good to his people. He knew of God's grace to his people and to those who are pure in heart. Now, you might say this morning, who are the pure in heart? You might look at yourself. You might, I, I ask myself the question, is my heart really pure? It's not. 
I know that for sure. You can ask my family and they will tell you that. Right? But I guess as I stand before God, I know my heart is not pure. But the pure in heart are those who have been touched by God's grace, have been transformed by his spirit, and those who are committed to him. And we are a work in progress here. Right? We will never achieve complete purity and complete perfection in this world. Will you? Please come and see me. I'd like to have a long chat with you to see how you've achieved it so far. Because I haven't. I'm still struggling, okay? And so the pure in heart are those who are committed to, the, to God and, and who has been touched by His grace. However, in spite of knowing God's goodness to His people, Hesap has, has almost lost his trust in God. Have a look at verse 2. He had lost his footing. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. He nearly stumbled. He came to a low point in his life trying to make sense of what was happening in the world and reconciling that with God's people. He says, I have nearly slipped. My foot has nearly stumbled. I have nearly fallen. Why? What was the cause of his slipping? Well, look at his struggles in verse 3. The reason he says that his foot almost slipped is here in verses 3 to 16. Is look at verse 3 in your, in your Bibles. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. His problem, we see, is he envied the arrogant, the boastful, and he envied the prosperity of the wicked. The word prosperity translated here it literally means in the Hebrew shalom, which means peace, wholesomeness, health, peace, wealth, prosperity. Everything can be put into this word so to speak. And he began to compare the prosperity, the health of those who did not know and trust God with the lives of those who did. And he envied what they had. They were enjoying the good life. Now friends, should we do that? Shouldn't we be happy for our neighbors? Shouldn't we be happy for those who are, who are well off in their lives, so to speak, and who are enjoying good health? Should we rejoice with them should, or should we be envious about them? That's a question, isn't it, <laughs> for us to answer this morning. Do we look at our non-Christian friends and say, man, look at those guys. They seem to be enjoying everything in life. They have good health. They have good properties. They live in the abundance of their wealth and everything else. And here I am. What's happening to me, God? Why is it not happening to me? And so Asap is trying to make sense. How can this be, God? And notice he says in verses 4 and 5, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. And Asap is struggling with this. And then further he says, have a look at, look at your Bible. So he says, they decked themselves with pride as if it was jewelry that they wore around their necks to be displayed. Verse 6, therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. They are boastful in their attitudes. Verses 7 to 11, from their callous hearts comes iniquity. Evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. Verse 8, with arrogance they threaten oppression. Verse 9, their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. 
Verse 10, therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. And verse 11, they say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? Friends, is this not the picture of the world? Is it not the picture of what is going on in our world today? Is it not the picture of the social engineering that is going on behind the scenes? Is it not the picture of the sea of the legislations being brought in our parliaments today against Christianity, against anything that is Christian? We see this, don't we? This subtle move, this subtle desensitization that our society is moving away from the true and living, almighty, sufficient God. And they are saying, as it were, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? Do you see that around you? Do you see it happening in our society? Do you see it happening in our world today? Anything Christian, anything about God? Oh, they, these Christians, they are fuddy-duddy people. They are fundamentalists. They don't live in the real world. Anything Christian is pushed aside. We just celebrated Christmas, didn't we? A few weeks ago. People couldn't even say the word Christmas. So we, we get cards, happy holidays. It's not happy holidays. I can understand that. Yes, we want, all want holidays, right? We're going to have holiday for the rest of our life. That'll be great. Go to the beach, celebrate, enjoy. It's happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. You see, even Christmas has been taken out. Just to give you an example. See, Professor Alan Harmon uh, says this in his book on the Psalms. As proud boasters about this group of people, they threaten others. They daringly talk as if they are God himself. And thus the whole world is theirs. Here we recognize attitudes and outward expressions of minds which dismiss God. A dismissal of God. Proud boasters. And so look at verse 12, gives us, uh, which gives us a kind of summary of Asaph's view of what is going on. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. No struggles in life. Money has become their God. Their health has become their God. This world has become their God. They will fight for everything in this world, but nothing for God. That's what's going on. And so to Asap, the ungodly were cruising through life, living a carefree, happy life of prosperity. Not so with those who are, who are trusting God. How can this be? How can this be? And so to our young people here this morning, perhaps you might be saying, well, why should I be a Christian as a young teenager here this morning? If you are a young teenager here or a young person, what's the point, God, in following you? I am trusting you. I'm looking to you for my future spouse and partner in life. My non-Christian friends are having it going all, all the way. They seem to be enjoying it this way, that way, and the other way around. And I am trusting you. Does it really make sense? Why cannot I live the carefree life myself as well? Does it make sense? Why, Lord? It is simply not fair. Life is not fair. Why should I trust you? Ever come to that point? Well, at the end of this psalm, I hope you will come to the back to reality. 
to know what it means to know this living God because Asaph comes around as we will see. So friends, this morning, as he looked at the ungodly and their prosperity and boastful attitudes, that's the question he faced. And so I'm sure for us here as well this morning, you're a Christian, suddenly someone in your family has been diagnosed with, with a cancer, an uncurable sickness perhaps, you've lost a job as a Christian, you've not got that promotion, you're struggling as a young person at school because you are a Christian and you're standing up for what is right before God, and you're wondering, God, is it worth it? <laughs> is it worth it? I might as well eat, drink, be merry, and? And what? And die, exactly. Eat, drink, and be merry, and die. Who cares? Who cares? Why trust God? Well, friends, if you're a Christian, we know that we go through life with its struggles and challenges as well. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, I know of nothing in the spiritual life more discouraging than to meet the kind of person who seems to give the impression that he or she is always walking on the mountain top. Many a saint in his pilgrimage has thanked God for the honesty of the writers of the Psalms because we know as Christians we are not always on the mountaintop experiences, are we? Right? There are moments, yes? There are moments when we are in the deep valley. There are moments when we are in the deep pit. There are moments when we feel depressed. There are moments of anxiety. There are moments of stress. There are moments of concern. If you're a parent, I was speaking to someone else the other day, you're a parent and they said to me, Chris, if you're a parent, you're a parent always. No matter when your kids get married or not, even when they are married, you will always still be a parent. You're always concerned for them, right? Moms and dads here, right? We're always concerned for them. Whether they're young or old, they're getting married or not, we're always concerned for them. It's part of our lives. We stress, we worry about them. We get anxious about lots of things in life. We're not always on the mountaintop experiences. And the psalmist is very clear in this. In fact, uh, writing further, Alan Harmon says, uh, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, thank God for the psalmist. They tell us the plain truth about themselves. They tell us the plain truth about what happened to them. And so we can identify with them, friends. And so Hesap asked the tough questions. Surely, in verses 13 and 14, surely in vain have I, I have kept my heart pure. And I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long, I have been afflicted. And every morning brings new punishments. So what's the point, Lord? What good is it in following you? And then in verse 15, he says, If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. This is, this is so good, dear friends, verse 15. You know what Asaph is saying? He's saying, if I went around complaining about God to other people, I would have betrayed your children. In other words, he's saying this, isn't it? If you all the time go around and say, oh, God, is, this is terrible. This is what God has done for me. God has never done anything for me. Look at my life. I am struggling. I'm never moving from point A to B. You're always in the doldrum sitting there. And so you never move forward in your life. And always whinging, always grumbling, always looking on the dark side of things, right? rather than being thankful 
and being grateful and being positive by the grace of God to say, look, God, you have given me this life to live. I am trusting you and I am moving forward by your grace and power. If you go around all the time, whinging and grumbling to other Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, you'll be bringing them down as well. And Asap is saying that. He says, if I had gone out and spoken out like this, he would have caused other believers to stumble. One writer puts it this way. What one believer does and says may have a profound effect upon the believing community as a whole. <laughs> what one believer does and says may have a profound effect upon the believing community as a whole. And so this morning, I need to ask myself the question, what am I doing to build the body of Christ here at Surrey Hills? It's not about me, right? Correct? You're free to say that. It's not about me. I don't care about myself. It's all about the Lord and his church. I pray always that this church and Christ will be the number one priority in my ministry for his glory and for his praise. And it should also be for us as well. It's about you, Lord. It's about your kingdom. It's about your glory. It's all about you, Jesus. So what one believer does and says may have a profound effect upon the believing community as a whole. So let's watch ourselves, please. Let's guard ourselves. Let's ask ourselves, what is my actions doing? What are my words doing to those around me? And then verse 16, as we move on. When I tried to understand all of this, it deeply troubled me. So Asap tried to work out this thing in, out in his mind, but he and he, he did not understand it. He was deeply troubled in trying to make sense of all of these things. And then something happened. Something happened to Asap. What was it, friends? We have a transition. Where is that? In verse 17. Have a look at the Bibles. Verse 17 is very clear. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Suddenly, suddenly, Asap is able to see things from a different perspective. Until I entered the sanctuary. He did not get it at first. He was struggling with this. And here at the sanctuary, here at the temple, he finally began to understand what was going on. He got it. If I use the, the Australian expression, right, this, the, the penny, come on, help me out. The penny dropped. You know, that's one thing I picked up when I came to Australia first time. I said, what? The penny dropped? What is that? That means, you got it, Chris. You got it. It's like bring a plate when you come, right? <laughs> bring a plate when you're invited to some place. Bring a plate. Okay, I'll bring a plate. <laughs> it's empty. So that you take the food from the place back home to your place. <laughs> Isn't that a good strategy? Something new for the new year, friends. Anyway. So the penny has dropped on him. He got it. This was the turning point in his understanding. Here he began to understand the final destiny of those who did not trust God. Perhaps at the temple he had studied the law. Perhaps at the temple he saw the altar of God. And it reminded him of who God is. 
and things started to make sense. Here at the temple, he started to begin to understand things from God's perspective. His eyes was opened. Things began to make sense. He saw the big picture and he saw the end result. As one writer puts it, trying to work out life's problems without God's help is futile. It was, in fact, Alan Harmon who said it, Professor Alan Harmon, trying to work out life's problems without God's help is futile. Are you? How are you trying to work out the problems in your own lives this morning? <laughs> you're trying to keep God out of it, or are you bringing God into it by trusting Him and putting your faith and your confidence in the God who cares for you? And so in verse 18 and to 20, Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely stripped? away by terrors. They are like a dream. Verse 20. When one awakes, when you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. So those who turn their backs on God, those who say to God, we don't really care about you, those who, who, who mock God, they are like a dream to God. They're like fantasies. We know what dreams are like, don't we? We dream. Some of us might dream every night. I don't know. But you get up, you, get, you wonder some dreams are so real, you get up and think, man, what's happened here? And you suddenly think, oh, thank the Lord, I'm in my bed and everything's okay. <laughs> right? Like a dream. When one awakes, when you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. Here is the picture of those who live in without trusting God. There's a judgment that is coming. They will vanish like a dream. And God will deal with them. And now Asap sees his life as that, as one who is trusting God. And so in verse 21, 22, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, <laughs> this is Asap, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. You know, there was someone else who said, used that word brute beast. Who is that? John Newton, right? He called himself a beast before his conversion. And after he was converted, he wrote the most amazing hymn. I've given you the clue already, <laughs> right? Amazing grace. I was senseless. You know, sometimes we can be like that, can't we? Senseless, ignorant, foolish, arrogant, putting God out of our lives as if we know everything. And so, friends, this morning, what do we see here? You see, we have an amazing testimony by Asaph. I will look at verses 23-28. Yet I'm always, notice the turn around in Asaph's life now. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand, he says. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you'll take me to glory. You see, Asaph has come to the realization of God's amazing grace and God's restoring grace to him. And he says, he sees God's loving and gracious hand upon his life. Look at verse 23. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You see, God cares. Cared for Asaph, and he cares for you. Correct? As you trust him, friends, you hold me by the right hand. What a beautiful picture. Think about any parent here this morning. You won't do that if your children are 18, 19 years of age, isn't it? Come, child, you're crossing the road. Hold my hand. I'll take you. No, no, no. Don't, don't come close to us, mom and dad. Right? Don't say that really, but 
Sometimes you want to embarrass your kids, right? Remember, when, like teenagers, you go and drop them off at school and say, come, let me walk you to the class. No, 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 no. But when they are kids, when they are little ones, right, we hold their hand. Come, come, child, let me cross the road with you. And they love to hold your hand, right? And you guide them gently. Or when you're in a shopping center, you see moms holding their, or dads holding their children. Say, ah, it's a beautiful picture. Really. It's beautiful to see that. Because that child is secure. Because the father or the mother's hands are guiding that child. And what a picture here we have of God holding the right hand of his child, children, so to speak, and guiding them through life. A beautiful picture, isn't it? You know, my... Um, my genre of songs and uh, musicians are people like Jim Reeves and others. I think I mentioned this many, many years ago. Anyone, any young person here heard of Jim Reeves, less than 21, 25 years of age? No, I, no people are just shaking your heads. Haven't you heard Jim Reeves? Anyone? Come on. Oh, one person, two. Thank, oh, my goodness. I put some nice Jim Reeves hymns up next time. I used to remember listening to Jim Reeves. He was called Gentleman Jim, by the way. Take my hand, precious Lord. You know that one? Lead me on through the day. Take my hand, precious Lord. I still remember that song. I was growing up in my parents' home in Sri Lanka. I wasn't a Christian then, but they used to play Jim Reeves, and that song is in my head now. Take my hand, precious Lord, and lead me on. And that's the hand that leads us on. What a precious, precious assurance. What a precious assurance we have here that God holds you by the hand and leads you on. Isn't that beautiful, friends? This God who has made the heavens and the earth, this God who has given to you and myself the breath of life, this God who has sent his son for you at the cross, says, I will hold your hand and lead you on. And Asap sees that here. This is the hand of God. God, you are always with me, Asap is saying. Let me trust you. You see, and we know this, friends, because Jesus said something wonderful in John chapter 10, verse 27 to 30. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. See that? My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Do you see that? The Father's hand upon your life? That's a great sermon title, isn't it? The Father's hand upon the believer's life. Wow. That is fantastic, friends, this morning. So, and verse 24, as we wind up this morning, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me to glory. That's Asap. You guide me now, and when I die, you will take me where? Where, friends? To glory. Now, what a confidence, friends, we have in this God. You know, with every passing year, I don't know about you, but I sit back at the end of the year, Rose and myself, we sat on the 31st together. We were out at the Yara River, the young couple out there by ourselves. Come on, that's true. 
And we were reflecting and thinking and reflecting upon the year that has gone by and how God has led, led us and what is done and uh, what we can learn from 2016 and all of those things we talked together. Where, where do we serve? How do we serve God in 2017? What is the future for us in our ministry perspectives here at St. Stephen's? Where would God want us to serve him? All of those things come into play because you, you do those kind of things, right? But as we do that, we are trusting this living God and we know that with every passing year, we are a step closer <laughs> to glory. Yes? Or maybe it's not a good reminder forget it. The point is God will lead us into glory as we trust him and ASAP sees this year. What a tremendous thing. Let's keep going. So the, he comes around and he says 27, 25 Whom have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all those who are unfaithful to you. And in verse 28 Look at verse 28. But as for me, it is good. You got it? It is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. And I will tell of all your needs. Can you see the turnaround? Hey? He has gone on a journey. He has asked the tough questions. And now, finally, having gone through this searching journey, as it were, he came full circle back to God and says, it is good to be near God. And so, friends, this morning, I don't know what 2017 has in store for you or for me. I have no idea. Just this past week, I, we get these emails, these weird emails that come your way. I don't know whether you get them as well. I got this email twice. Now it's come to me. Uh, all this fortune telling and the future about yeah, advertising saying we can give you a fortune telling thing about the future. I immediately unsubscribed it from my email thing, deleted it once and for all. I don't want a fortune teller to tell me what the future is going to be because my future is in, in the hands of God, the living one. What a blessing to know this God. I don't know, friends, and I want to encourage you this morning. Let me plead with you this morning. And you pray for me as well, please. That we, as St. Stephen's, as for us, we will stay near to God. And we will make God our refuge and our strength at all times. And so that's the testimony. That's the testimony we have here, friends. You will guide me. You will take me to glory. No one will, be, uh, will, will perish, Lord, because I am with you and we have eternal life. So, friends, when we are tempted to look around and compare ourselves with those who do not trust the Lord and envy what they have and what we don't, let us not doubt who our God is. Never doubt in the darkness of what God has taught you in the light. Never doubt in the darkness what God has taught you in the light. So I trust today you will put your faith and your trust and your confidence in the living God who sent his son to die for you at the cross and by his hand at the cross 
He paid the price for you and for me. Remember the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. His hands was nailed to the cross so that the Father's hand will be upon you and me. How precious. And how marvelous and how amazing is our God. Do you know him this morning? Do you trust him? Do you look to him? I hope we do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We put our faith, our trust, our confidence in you, O Lord, the living God. In Jesus' name, amen.